And I want you to understand that I wear every one of these sermons before I preach them to you. It is my job to tell you what God wants you to hear and what he wants me to hear. Paul said, we speak as messengers who have been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. He said, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. Dr. Tony Evans made a comment about this passage of scripture, and he said, we often complain about what the unbelievers do. (laughs) You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, so-and-so ain't doing so, you know, their part. He said, we, uh, in 2 Chronicles 15, we see that the Israelites did not seek the true God. That was their first problem, and it's our problem in our nation as well, he says. He said, the second problem Israel faced, which led to their decay, was a lack of teaching priests. He said, again, the text doesn't say that there were no priests at all. But what it does say is that the priests had stopped teaching the truth. They had traded enlightenment for entertainment. And worship had disintegrated into a social club. And the church was no longer the epicenter of all life and conscious of of the culture calling people to take God seriously. Therefore, Israel was suffering from an absence of spiritual leaders who took seriously the authority of scripture for all life. He says too often today, pastors preach to please. He said they fear that someone might come up and say, well, I didn't like that sermon. I've had that happen at the door a few times. He said, but if the pastor preached God's word, then that's the wrong response. The issue is whether It was true what he preached, not whether it was popular. He says politicians need to be popular, but preachers need to tell the truth. He said the issue of truth is all important. The lack of truth leads to a consciousless society. There's one, only one standard of truth, and that is the changeless word of the one true and living God. God's word is our source of truth. Now, folks, here's the truth, according to Dr. Ted Trailer, and and, and I, I just, I'm in concurrence with him. He says, as you are filled with the Spirit, now we Baptists understand that we are filled with the Spirit the moment we take Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? That's when all of God comes to live in you. As you are filled with the Holy Spirit, He says, you become a witness for the gospel. You become a witness. You don't have any decision in the matter. It's kind of like the the spiritual truth that all husbands, fathers, have been designated by God to be the spiritual leader of their home. God made that decision. It's a timeless principle. It's something that's never going to change. And so men, it will always be your responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your home. You are the spiritual leader of your home. That's never going to change. You can't change that reality. 
The only thing you can do is make up your mind what kind of spiritual leader you're going to be. Whether you're going to be a good one or a bad one. That is the only decision you get to make. Well, the same is true about being a witness for Christ. You are a witness because Jesus made you one when he saved your soul. And that responsibility is never going to go away. The only reason you've been left on earth is to be his witness. And that's God's plan. And the plan's never going to change. The only decision you get to make in that whole process is what kind of witness do you want to be? A good one or a poor one? Are you still with me? Ain't nobody going for the door yet. I love you in the Lord. We have a simple task, but it's a huge task. It's a, it's a task that has eternal ramifications. And if I could just probe into your mind, if I could just know your heart right now, there's somebody, there's somebody that you know that you're either kin to, or you work with, or you fellowship with, or you see every week, there's somebody you know that needs to know what you know about Jesus. Did a name come to mind? Did you see a face when I said that? Yeah. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to meet their need? I want you to look with me this morning at a man that is talked about in Scripture that was given a simple task just like you and I have been given a simple task that has eternal ramifications. I mentioned this guy briefly in my Christmas Eve day message. John spoke briefly of him as he started writing the gospel. In John chapter one, verse six, we see John make these words, say, write these words or say these words. He said, there was a man named John who was sent by God. How many, how many men do we have this morning that's named John? I know we got several. Okay. I, I was thinking on three or four, maybe five. Okay. John. So listen, by the very fact that your name is John, you could have been chosen by God <laughs> to do this. But in all reality, there's nothing magical about the name John. God could have chosen you even if your name is Bill or George or Steve or Mike or whatever. But according to scripture, it was John who was sent by God. God made the decision to send John as his representative to do a special work. It was a work that was very, very important to God. And the truth of the matter is, is that God could have done this work without John, but in fact, God chose to use John for this simple and yet very significant task. But here's the truth. Here's the truth you need to make note of. All of us who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have been saved to be sent. Saved to be sent. What did scripture say? What does the Great Commission say? In Matthew 28, 18, it says that Jesus came and he told his disciples, are we not disciples? Amen. Same, same thing he told them, he's telling us. He said, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth, therefore what? Therefore go. Therefore go. 
Notice that the very first thing that we're told to do is to go. It is our responsibility to be going. Now, Jesus obviously expects us to be going out. For you teenagers, that's not going steady. Going out. Going is a part of our calling as Christians. It's a part of God's strategy for helping us be fruitful and faithful in growing the kingdom of God. What he's basically saying is as you are going, make disciples. Again, Dr. Evans says we are talking about the ministry of evangelism here. The nations are not told to come to Christians for the gospel. We need to go to them. The church is not doing the work of the church if we're not winning souls to Christ. We must keep evangelism front and center in the life of the church. If the church is not, uh, if the church is going to grow by making disciples, then we have to have people, not just pastors. We have to have people who are willing to go into the whole world as witnesses for Christ. That is the one reason that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Remember he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples uh, right before he ascended back into heaven? You don't, do you? But I'm going to remind you. <laughs> John 20, this is my job to remind you. John verse, chapter 20, verse 19 says, that evening... On the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of, Jewish, of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there. They're in a room with all the windows shut, all the windows are locked, all the doors are locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus is there. He's walked through the wall in that glorified, resurrected body of his. He's just appeared. And he says to them, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his side. And they were all filled with joy when they saw their Lord. He's alive! And he spoke to them again, and he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Folks, everything those first disciples had, the mandate to go and, and the, the power to, to get there and accomplish the plan that God had for them to do, everything they had, we have. So did John. He was a man sent by God and so are we. Notice something else about John. John was also a man given a simple task. And in John chapter one, one, verse six, it says there was a man named John who was sent by God. He came to tell people the truth about the light so that through him, all people could hear about the light and believe. John was not the light, but he came to tell people the truth about the light. The New Living Translation uh, translates verse eight this way. He says, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. 
There are six times that John the gospel writer speaks about John the Baptist as being a witness of the Lord and he actually uses two different words. He uses the word witness and he uses the word testify. In verse 19, John gave his testimony about Jesus. He gave evidence of who Jesus was, what he knew about who Jesus was. In verse eight, it says that John was simply a witness of Jesus. John simply reported the truth as he knew it about Jesus. Wouldn't it be a wonderful, beautiful thing if people in Washington, D.C. told the truth? (laughs) I don't think we could handle it. (laughs) Both of these words that, that John uses came from the same root word, the root word martus. It's a word we get the word martyr from or witness and Throughout the centuries, there have been many Christians that died because they refused to recant their their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They stood firm in what they believed, and they died as a result. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting what people say right before they die. It's amazing that we all want to know what people said in their last dying breath. I went back and did a little research and found some interesting things that were said. Elvis Presley said to his fiancée, I'm going to the bathroom to read. That's the last thing he said. He never returned. I thought, man, what a waste. You'll get that. The last thing Frank Sinatra said was, I'm losing it. And he probably did because he was known for always doing it his way, right? Marie Antoinette stepped on her executioner's foot on her way to the guillotine and her last words were, pardon me, monsieur. But she received no pardon and she lost her head. Murderer James W. Rogers, and I'm sure you don't know the guy, I don't, but he, he was put in front of a firing squad in Utah and he was asked if he had any last requests and he said, please give me a bulletproof vest. <laughs> I'm not making this up, but the guy didn't get one. The last thing Bob Marley said was this. Money can't buy life. He died with $30 million in the bank. Today his estate is worth $130 million, but Bob Marley died at age 36 from skin cancer and all the money that he had couldn't keep him alive, couldn't bring him back to life. Dwight L. Moody One of the great evangelists said, tis well, tis well. They say he died with a smile on his face and peace in his heart, tis well. We need to sometimes go back and reflect at what Jesus said before he died. His last words had nothing to do with 
rapturing the church or his second coming or what heaven was going to be like. What he said in those last words with his last breath was he reminded them before he went back into heaven, he reminded them of what their task was and that was to be a witness for him. Mike Whitson said his imperative, and he's speaking about Jesus' imperative, was so strong that there was no mistaking its importance or that it is optional for believers. He says a witness is one who testifies of what he has seen and heard. Therefore, we're to tell others exactly what we've experienced as believers. You know, there are four kinds of witnesses. Did y'all know that? Four kinds. There's the silent witness who expects people to come to Christ by watching his or her life. There is the incidental witness who who wants to casually talk to people about how God gave them a beautiful day. There is the public witness who has no trouble sharing the gospel before hundreds, maybe thousands, but wouldn't dare to share one-on-one. And then there's the authentic witness who lives life looking for an open door to proclaim his or her love for the Lord. Which one are you? Which one are you? You're going, oh, I'm not a witness. Oh, yes, you are. I already told you you're a witness by the very fact that Jesus saved you. You are a witness. That is not an option for you. And I don't know what you're going to do with this information, but I do know this. There's a world of lost people out there that need to hear about Jesus. Did you hear me? There's a whole world of people out there that need a witness about Jesus Christ. And they need to hear his story, but they also need to hear your story and what Jesus has done in your life. They need to hear it. John the Baptist was a man sent by God. He was a man also given a simple task, and so are we. But notice the third thing about John. John simply shared what he knew about Jesus. You know, when I talk to you about being a witness, most of us go, well, I don't know anything about Jesus. Well, guess what? John didn't either. Think about it. Go back and look at scriptures, and you'll find, as I did, that John knew very little about who Jesus was. They grew up knowing each other. They were probably cousins. Their mothers were related, but he knew very little. He, knew no, he had no idea who Jesus was going to turn out to be. John did know because he'd been taught, like all the other Jews of that day, that the Messiah was coming, but he didn't know that it was going to be Jesus. There are three times where John stressed that he was subordinate to the one that was coming, the Messiah that was to come. You look at verse 15, verse 27, and then verse 30, you'll find that he says, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. John confesses, I did not recognize him as the Messiah. I didn't know that he was the one. Well, how in the world was John to know? How did he come to know that Jesus was the Messiah? Well, Dr. Luke gives us a clue in his gospel. In the third chapter, verse 2, it says that a message from God came to John, the son of Zechariah, who was living out in the wilderness. Now, what was in that message? We don't know exactly. But I think it contained two thoughts. One, I think he was told what God wanted him to do. He was to announce the coming of the Messiah. 
He was to go out and proclaim that to everyone that he could get to listen, that the Messiah is here and he's coming and he's in our midst. But I believe he was also told how he could recognize who the Messiah was. We find a hint of that in John chapter 1 verse 31 where he says, I didn't know he was the one. But I have been baptizing with water in order to point him out to Israel. And then John said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me that when you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, then he is the one that you're looking for. And he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And verse 34, John says this, I saw this happen to Jesus. And so I testify that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. What is John doing? He's sharing what he knew about Jesus. He's being a witness. He's testifying. Now, can I get personal with you for just a minute? What do you know about Jesus? What do you know? We all know different amounts of information about Jesus. What's important is not what's in our head, but what's in our heart. What do you know? What has God revealed to you about his son? Because whatever you know about Jesus, that, that you, you are equipped to be able to tell your story. There's a place in the book of Acts where Paul is brought before King Agrippa and he, he tells what he knows. And I'll read this for you. He says, to King Agrippa, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus of the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. He said, authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them put in uh, are punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus and I was armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priests. And about noon, your majesty, he says, I was on the road and a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and on my companions and we fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. And Paul says, I ask, Lord, who are you? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus. I am the one that you're persecuting. Now, get up to your feet. Now, why did he say get up to your feet? Because you, you can't go if you're on your knees. You got to be able to walk. Get up to your feet, he said, for I have appeared to you 
to appoint you as my servant and my witness, you are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so King Agrippa, I have obeyed that vision from God. Paul's encounter changed his life. He was never, ever, ever, ever the same again. And it stretched him way beyond anything that he'd ever experienced in his life before. I want you to know something. Being a witness will stretch you. I think it was John MacArthur, John, or John uh, Maxwell that says that a rubber band doesn't do its job until it's first stretched. As a witness, you're being stretched. But that's when you do your job. Paul was stretched, but he learned three very important things. God gave him three very important things that I think he'll give to you. He gave him conviction to stand. He gave him confidence to speak. And he gave him compassion to share. Compassion to share. Who needs to know what you know about Jesus? Who needs to know? I want you to do two things for me. I want you to stand right where you're at. Everybody let's stand. We're done. I want you to stand. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to be thinking about that person that you know needs to know what you know about Jesus. Tongue twister. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to do three things for me. First, I want you to think about that person. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I want you to pray for that person. But I also want you to pray for yourself, because I realize that only, only things prayed over where God is involved ever really happen. Being a witness requires the power of God in our life, and the only way we're going to fully realize that power as if we're a praying people. So I want you to pray for yourself. And then as you have prayed asking God to give you the strength to be a witness, I want you to pray for that person that you need to witness to. And the last thing I want you to do is make a commitment. Make a commitment to go and to share what you know about Jesus. That's all God's asking you to do. He's not asking you to do something that you don't have the knowledge to do. He's just asking for you to talk to people about Jesus based on what you know. That's not that hard to do. Father, I ask that, Lord, you hear our prayer. We are needy people. 
We've been called together as a church and we've been planted in the midst of a mission field and, and God, there are lost people that drive by us every day. There are people that we work with. There are people that we live with. There are people that we walk with and exercise with and, and people that we talk on the phone to. There, there are people all around us, Lord, that desperately, desperately need to know about Jesus. I know that it's the last thing that Satan wants us to talk about. And it's the hardest thing for us to do, to speak the name of Jesus publicly. Lord, please give us the power and the strength to do so. We are needy people. We need your strength. We need your power. Lord, we not only pray for ourselves because without you helping us, we can't accomplish the task. But we also, God, ask that you prepare the heart of that one that's on our mind and our heart, that lost friend or that lost family member. God, please prepare their heart to receive the truth. And Lord, give us the ability to share with them in, in a language, in a way that, that God will, will touch their heart. Oh, Lord, help us to reflect the image of Christ so that those who see Christ in us will receive our message. Help us, God, not to be a stumbling block. Help us not to be arrogant or proud or help us, Lord, not to do anything to hinder the work of the Spirit working in these people's lives. God, we're embarking on a new year. It's yet to be seen if this whole year will be lived out. But God, if it does, Lord, help us at the end of this year to know that we have done everything we could to further your kingdom and to bring glory and honor to you. God, this is about you. It's not about us. We need you to help us focus on that. Lord, be glorified, I pray, through what we do and through what we say. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen. This morning, if you'd like to come forward, there's a decision you need to make. Or if you need to come and pray, uh, feel free to come. I'm here to help you any way that I can. Praise team is gonna lead an invitation. Feel free to come as God leads your heart, you come.